All right, welcome to the Money Lab Live podcast, episode number 41. How legal conflict can choke money flow. And that means your money flow. All right, welcome back to another live broadcast of The Money Lab from the Six Figure Academy podcast. I am your host, Wei Hong. And uh, this is the podcast where we give you tips, strategies, and interviews with other entrepreneurs, such as the one we have here today, um, <clears throat> on how to re-engineer bad money stories and habits, other entrepreneurial tips, so that you can create a prosperous and an abundant lifestyle free of financial stress and worries. And I'm really excited about some of the things that we're going to talk about today. Now, if you're joining us live today, Day. Make sure you get on Spreaker.com or download the Spreaker app uh, on your phone or your mobile device and search for the hashtag, hashtag the money lab so that you could join us in the chat room and ask questions and interact with us and our guest today. Uh, while you're there, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode and can catch us every week. Next week, we've got another guest coming in. Super cool guy. Uh, I'll show you the details after that. But for all other ways to find us, go to the sixfigureacademy.com forward slash radio for all the details. So, um, <clears throat> for those of you who are in California or have been in the United States, I mean, this is something probably we can discuss about because our guest today experienced it firsthand, uh, some of the uh, crazy fires that have been going on. But you know what? Um, let me let me do an introduction on this guy real quick. I mean, I just met this. Well, I didn't just meet this guy, actually. I've known this guy for several months now. We just had trouble connecting in person. And we decided the first time we connect is be on my show. <laughs> you know, why not? But um, his name is Todd Gallinger. But I'm, you know what? I want to honor, honor his path and what he's done. He's Todd E. Gallinger, Esquire. Yes, he is an attorney. Uh, he's a nonprofit consultant and California native. Um, he practices out over in uh, Santa Ana, right? Um, and does and transactional needs of businesses, nonprofits, and works with their leaders. Gallinger Law is his practice, and and um, what he does, he's uh, he works with existing clients to strategically manage litigation and legal conflict. He's about twelve years experience. Uh, what's really cool about Todd is that he's got this deeper underlying purpose. I feel because check out his thing. Not only does he have the JD from George Washington University, our first president of the United States, by the way. That's his school. No, I'm kidding. It's probably named after <laughs> named him. Named after him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't go there. Yeah. But he had a BA in religious studies from UC Santa Barbara, both with honors, and is currently a student of the Claremont School of Theology and Religious Leadership. Ladies and gentlemen, here introducing one of the good ones on this planet. I know some of you may have your opinions about certain lawyers, and so do I. And I'm, so I'm really excited when I finally got his bio and got to dig deep with understanding where this guy was coming from. I mean, I mean, in addition to his law practice, I mean, he assists with nonprofits. He does social ventures, social, social ventures with strategic planning, fund development, meeting facilitation. Um, he's involved with so many of Southern California's community issues, consulted on numerous local political campaigns, obviously to kind of help further impact some of his um, underlying desires and purpose and service. You know, um, He was also uh, recognized as a rising star in nonprofit law by super lawyers and selected by USC's... Ooh, what? That's okay. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a UC... Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of... You're a UC guy, too. So. My bio, but, you know. <laughs> but that's okay. This is cool, though. UC, USC Center of Religion... As for religion and civil culture as part of the future 50 cadre. Is that cadre? Is that pronounced right? Yeah. Cadre? <laughs> 50 Close young enough. interfaith leaders bringing social change. This guy, ladies and gentlemen, is all about social change. And on top of that, he's a lawyer, so he's smart and he understands how to navigate through the tumultuous uh, world of entrepreneurship to help entrepreneurs such as you and me and himself. Um, do it in the best way possible and avoiding the pitfalls that you know we're going to talk about today. So welcome to the show, Todd. Thank you so much, Wei. It's great to be here and, and always good to be so close to the beach. I so. know, right? We're like a block away. Yes, yes. And do you guys hear that? This guy is no uh, stranger to the radio, by the way. You used to actually have your own uh, radio show. Yeah, from uh, 2009, 2010, I had wow. a political show, uh, online radio. So Okay, what did you talk yeah. about? I mean, what, it was a political show. Are you, are you heavy into politics? I mean, is that kind of your thing? or So it used to be my more of my thing definitely around then that that was a, a large focus um, and I've done you know still quite a bit uh, right. but right now more as an advisor role than somebody who's directly involved in frontline political campaigns yeah so. 
And, you know, in, in terms of religious studies, and was that always something that you had uh, an interest in? I mean, you, you, you studied that at UC Santa Barbara and everything. Yeah, so. yeah, no, it is. And, and you know, I think I, um, you know, just started off really as a, as a teen interest, perhaps. Uh-huh. Um, and I was always really intrigued by different philosophies and different ways of looking at the world and always really wanted to understand the motivations that religion uh-huh. brings and how it, you know, kind of drives people. Right. Because it's different from the profit motive that we can, you know, easily identify <clears throat> and, and right. you know, is out there and we, we work with right. you know, in this society. Um, and so I think, yeah, trying to get to some of those deeper purposes yeah. um, and being interested in the way different sets of people, you know, figure that out. Uh-huh. No, that's interesting because, you know, the nature of the show, you just know, this show is called The Money Lab. So it's, it'd be interesting to hear the money story that you grew up with that made it... Um, was it challenging for you to make that decision to go down the path of theology and religion and everything like that initially? Or was it just kind of a, it, it was just kind of something that you grew up with and it was just a no-brainer for you to kind of get into? You know, I think that, you know, looking at kind of my money story as a child growing up, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up in Southern California, Orange County, Irvine, wow. you know, like, like a suburb affluent you area. can be, <laughs> you know, and... and uh, we certainly uh, weren't rich. We, you know, rented apartments and condos and stuff like that, sure. but very comfortable and, and, you know, lots and lots of educational opportunity for sure. Right. You, um, it's, not, it's not like you grew up in the project and no, you found no. God and that's how it is. Yeah, no, 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 nothing like that. Nothing like right. that by any stretch. Because <laughs> there's um, a lot of those stories around. <laughs> there are, there are. And they're very valuable and, yeah. and informative. Um, but... I think there was a sense of comfort in my, I think especially on my father's side, Mm -hmm. there's wise planning Mm -hmm. and an understanding that money is for life. Mm -hmm. And so my father was an engineer. He actually went back to college, you know, after I was born. And so that's why we moved to Irvine as he was at UCI. Um, And so I grew up there when the campus was totally empty. Yeah. It's just like an empty hill with like two buildings (laughs) on it. Um, And now it's got, you know, 30, 40,000 students. It's one of the best campuses around now. Yeah. My daughter goes there and says, oh, wow, wow, good, 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 good. (laughs) Yeah, but um, he managed to retire at 53. Um, His father, my my grandfather, who was a school teacher, a public school teacher, retired at 55. And so smart, frugal, you know, investment-minded. Okay. Um, So I I, kind of had that. And um, he passed that down to you. I mean, he, he, did he... Did he share? Did he share that with you, or was he like like my father was? Can't talk. Don't ask me about. It, don't talk to me about it. That type of thing. No, it? no. He definitely <clears throat> shares shares it, and it's still something we discuss. You okay. Know? Um, just just for example, on a personal level, he manages. His parents are still living, and he still he manages their finances, and you know he and wow. I talk about some of those issues, managing their trusts and right. stuff like that. Um, uh, yeah. No, I didn't quite go down that path because okay. he had a he was uh, an employee his entire career. He was right. an engineer. Um, a professional level employee, but always working for somebody else. Right. And I, you know, relatively always early on had your own practice. I so yeah, so I started my own practice at the age of twenty five. Wow. Um, I jumped straight into it. I had worked for a couple of years before okay. law school and then I'd worked full time during law school. Mm-hmm. But I think I just had the comfort and I'd been in I'd been a consultant, right. um, you know, done done, you know, marketing and business consulting right. uh, before then as an independent contractor. Right. So I kinda knew the structure. But I think I had that confidence that yeah. you know, you can do these things. Um, and so I think, you know, having that confidence out of the childhood money story right. allowed me to undertake some more risks that, no, my parents definitely never did. Yeah, so. <laughs> but that's that's amazing, though, because most most lawyers that I know, they, they come out and they work for years for firms and because they, they found they, they think that that's the path to mm-hmm, take, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's not only it's only after like 5, 10, 15, 20 years that they've actually worked for somebody that they said, OK, I'm going to have my own practice now. Yeah, but I'm, I'm seeing more and more of that today where people are taking the earlier leap and realizing. I mean, we talked about this a little bit offline before the show in terms of how, you know, our education system, educational system doesn't really train us to make the jump and make that leap that you made two years out of finishing school. Yeah, no. As as well as, too, I mean, I think in terms of the push towards more attorneys being independent and people starting out on that early, I think that's a positive thing kind of overall. Right. Um, 
but it is a very large part due to the current legal economy, uh-huh. which is really, really bad, especially for starting attorneys. Right. Um, and so... How is that? I mean, for those of the, that are attorneys listening into the show, I mean, shed some gemstones and then yeah. drop some knowledge on this one. <laughs> so so with, as it comes to this, you know, there's... We have all these undergoing shifts in the economy, right? In terms uh-huh. of outsourcing, in terms of better use of technology, in right. terms of new business strategies and kind of workflows and things like that. Uh-huh. Um, and those have revolutionized business as a whole in the past, you know, 20 years right. or so. Um some industries, and I think these are tend to be like highly regulated industries, are you know behind the times. Right, medical, and especially legal. You know, these, DMV. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> government, gov- yeah. gov- government, all government said, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah is, is way behind the times of mm-hmm. where you know tech industry, entrepreneurship, and startups as a whole are. Right, um, and so that kind of shift and transition is ongoing and so you have new outsourcing firms that utilize attorneys uh, and stuff like that and so you sure know, legal zoom didn't help either yeah, yeah. you know we can, we can talk about some of those things um they aren't necessarily bad i think right. for attorneys um or clients but they've got to be you know use smart right um but yeah no you have the outsourcing you have new ai you, you know document prep okay, systems that right. overall are just reducing the number of attorneys that are needed to do the same amount of stuff because we're doing it more efficiently right. and cheaper using outsourced <clears throat> labor. Right. Um, at the same time, we have this uh, we, we had the, this flow or this um, huge bump of law students and now new lawyers that was caused by the economic mm-hmm. uh, recession. And so, when the recession was you know at its peak, like oh eight to ten, you know maybe, right. um, or yeah, you know maybe around then. Law schools were doubling or sometimes even wow. tripling in size. People were just like rushing into... Nobody wanted to go into the economy. There's no jobs. Oh. And so everybody's going... They're going to grad school. They're going to grad school, particularly professional schools <clears throat> and law schools. Right, right. And so law schools exploded. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I went to George Washington in D.C., um, graduated '05. You know, two years after I'd left, the law school size had doubled. They had, Holy cow. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the, right. That's right. Right the, before the, the big... <laughs> yeah, yeah. The political science school relocated and they took over the poli-sci department, all of the, oh my God. All of the classrooms and everything that they had from the poli-sci <laughs> department. Wow. Now, you know, the, re, the, the economy all... is recovering. People are realizing there's not so many jobs for lawyers. So maybe it isn't the best <laughs> move just to go to law school for the sake of it. Law right. schools are closing down. Oh my god! So I was, I was just actually at coffee this morning. I was, I was meeting with some of my staff and the people at the table next to us. Worked at Trinity Law School in Santa Ana, and we started chatting. They overheard our conversation, uh-huh. and they were, they were talking about the economic pressures that they're under, and how because things are more efficient now, and the traditional tasks and jobs that the lawyers were basically being paid to do, because are, the because the jobs aren't there exactly, right. and because people have realized that the jobs aren't there. Okay. So in Southern California, we recently had Whittier Law School close. Um, oh, and wow, they, really? And they, and they told me that another one, I don't know if it's been publicly announced yet, that is going to be cl- probably going to be closing within wow. the next few months as well, too. That's um, not Not Trinity, not their school. But yeah, a right. School. <laughs> <laughs> a different school. But, you know, I, in listening, what I, saw, I, I, I was reading in between the lines of what you were just talking about, and I feel like it's almost pressuring the, the, the level of service and aptitude that lawyers need to show up with now. It's almost like relieving lawyers of the the grind type of work to let them really kind of... Because lawyers truly, really good lawyers, are the ones who don't burden themselves and waste their time on just, like, you know, grunt, grunt work. Right? You know, the, the, we, we, you need all types, right? Right. And, and the way that the legal market has worked, I think the way that, you know, our economy pushes us overall is always mm-hmm. towards more and more narrow specialization. Right. And so, you know, I have friends who I came out of, you know, law school with. Right. And now they're specialists in, you know, certain kinds of land trusts that are used by, you know, department stores when they're getting a 99-year lease in the state <laughs> of Connecticut. It. And that's, and all, that's they do. all that they do all day long. <laughs> and they're very well paid and, you know, everything is great. Yeah. But as now we have those shifts in the economy, that exactly that kind of specialized knowledge, mm-hmm. sometimes it can now be done by technology sometimes it can be done again i can mm. you know I, I, you can't really do this as a consumer as a as a, right. as a as a business person you can't go out and really effectively outsource legal services i think but for certain tasks if i wanted to and we don't do this as a firm i, I could hire a california licensed attorney in india for 25 bucks an hour um to get 
to do to do the work that I would pay, you know, somebody in the states, you know, considerably sixty bucks more. an hour, yeah, or something like that to do. Oh, okay, so it's the it's the whole outsourcing, yeah. yeah. Ah, but then, you, but you're very um, astute there, you know, in terms of any time we have a shift in the economy, there's opportunities. Who's going to adapt? Yes, exactly. Specialize even further, or be have a special uh, specialized bank of abilities or yes yes in a different way sometimes of approaching things right and i have always centered my own practice around relationships uh-huh. and around you know not necessarily being the deepest expert in any one particular area of law but you know working primarily with the leaders of businesses and nonprofit organizations right. and what are the issues that come up for them kind of routinely that's a niche i mean exactly because yeah. nonprofit i mean you know I, I i can i can give you the names of like five lawyers that i know young whippersnappers really successful and when i say nonprofit they run away they cringe they're yeah. like ah, no, yeah, well it doesn't it doesn't pay very well so that's you know <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason i have a business practice as well so <laughs> right but but that actually says a lot though i mean because you know i i have a, I have a buddy of mine. He's a financial advisor, and his absolute favorite thing to do is to do like the 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 free work, the pro bono yeah, work. Of course, yeah. I mean, he yeah. absolutely loves it. And it's one thing I said, yeah, it's so much so that it sometimes gets in the way of his paid business. I said, you got to find that balance. Definitely, you definitely. Know? You, you know, if yeah. you don't if you don't feed the the source, and the source, you know, withers. And that, that's kind of the focus on self care and everything yeah. like that. And, yeah, and you know, sure. and I do have a lot of experience in the nonprofit industry as mm-hmm. well. And that is something, you know, the conversation the past five, ten years, yeah. people are starting to talk about a lot more because, yeah, you deal with burnout. Yeah. And, and that's always a difficult thing. Well, I think a lot of people in nonprofit, and I hope you know, this is something that I, you probably educate all your clients who are nonprofit about this. And this is something I talk about all the time, which is nonprofit is still a business. Exactly. It's just a different designation. It's a different label. That, you that still got to make money. Ten thousand times. And, and you know, and, and what I say is the way I approach this, too, is nonprofit law is business law. It's just dealing with a specially regulated business. It's a niche. Just if I was a yeah. banking lawyer, you know, if I was a specialist in health law. Right. There's these sets of laws that regulate that business in that right. area. Same thing with nonprofit. We and they should pay it. you as such, too. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I, we worked with a few nonprofits ourselves in our business, and it's it's really interesting coming. And there are a few people that we would have loved to work with, and there are just some boundaries when it comes to value. That oh, definitely, you know, when when nonprofits come in and they've got their money story running and they have money anxiety mm-hmm. running and they're trying to nickel and dime you, and even though their intentions are in the best place. We have to make sure, especially in the world that we live in. Now, if it was a Star Trek and money was no longer a means of, it's just the pursuit of knowledge, Girl right? Tea. Yeah, we would have we would have done this all day long. We would be able to help everybody and everything, right? But yeah. we're not there. We're not born. In that no, state. and and you're exactly right there, trying to find that balance. And for those of us who, you know, you know, money's a tool, right? And and so what are we going to put it to use for? If we focus on it right. for its own thing, we're going to get sucked into a hole, right? Um, but in terms of trying to regulate that balance between giving time away or doing things right. that are helpful versus making sure <laughs> we're paying our employees and our rent and right. all of those things. Um, you know, so a thing that I do is I, I am very structured as I approach those nonprofit cool. things. And, you know, That's we what have, they need. Yeah, well, we, I, give, <laughs> I give free consultations to nonprofits. Okay. And so we'll sit down 60 minutes, 90 minutes, just talk through your issue. If that's what you needed, great. God bless. Go on your way. Cool. Fantastic. If you need help beyond that, we have a set set of reduced rates okay. um, that I offer just because I have so many nonprofit clients. Mm-hmm. I can't have people, oh, you got to promote me right now. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. So, for, so for those of you who are listening right now and you are a nonprofit, uh, we're going to make sure that we leave, give you, uh, leave uh, Todd's information afterwards so you can reach out because he specializes in all that. And for those of you who are listening to us live right now, remember, you can ask us questions. Just go into the chat room. Uh, either on the Spreaker app or on the Google Live um, interface, whatever it's called, the chat group chat area. Hangouts. Post <laughs> the Hangouts. Right. There you go. And you post your question and uh, uh, we'll make sure that uh, Todd uh, gets a chance to field it. If not, that's okay because you could still leave it even if it's not live and we'll make sure that Todd gets the questions afterwards so you can connect with him then. Um, <clears throat> so speaking of money as tools, you know, I think one of the, the most reluctant expenditures for most entrepreneurs and most nonprofits is spending money on entities like 
yours. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, they would actually even rather spend money on marketing first, even though sometimes they or or even knickknacks in the office <laughs> before spending money on. So let's talk about that because you know, <clears throat> I've had to go through some serious trials and tribulations mm-hmm. to really get to the point where I can appreciate the value of having someone like you. Um, whether it be on retainer or just on on speed dial or something like that, um, or, or just to you know take that extra hour to consult about different ideas because we like we were saying earlier before the show started. I mean, I could have avoided all kinds of challenges that I've had to deal with as an entrepreneur. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> let's talk about your your take first on that before I go too far into it in terms of the importance of being willing to use the money as a tool and spending it at least some of it allocating towards legal advice or legal consultation oh definitely and you and you want to be smart about that you know we live in a highly legal culture mm-hmm. a highly litiga- litigation driven culture yes and so if you're a business person if you're out there in the economy you know, and you might have a sense of it if you're in a new industry, something, mm-hmm. you know, where the laws are changing or something where you have a lot of stuff that you're selling directly to consumers. You have a lot of customers. That makes right. it all the more likely right. that you're going to get drawn into this legal problem. So so basically, like we were saying earlier, um, as an entrepreneur, as you become more and more successful, it's not a matter of if, it's yeah. a matter of when. Yeah. You know, I mean, as frivolous as some may be, it's just going to happen. It's just part of life. It's and, just part of what we, the time that we live in. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and you got to figure out, you know, what's smart in your industry and what the level of um, assistance that you need in your industry is. Right. Um, for example, you know, I have a number of clients in the healthcare industry. If you're a brain surgeon, even if you're the best brain surgeon on the planet, you get sued an average of 3.5 times a year. Holy That's cow. just the way it goes. That's an, so. Wait a minute. So, if you're a yeah. brain surgeon, on average, yeah, getting sued three point five times. So they yeah. basically have a lawyer on retainer. Yeah. So, well, they're going to have well, the a, hospital. They're, they're going to have a heck of a lot of insurance. <clears throat> is what they're going to have, and those insurance companies are going to have lawyers on retainer got and stuff it, like got that. It. So that's and that, that isn't the work that I do when they get sued for that medical malpractice. But I would consult with these these clients, for example, about uh-huh. those insurance policies that they have gotcha. to make sure that those are the appropriate levels. For right. the risks that they're facing. So you're more of like a preemptive, uh, proactive versus postmortem type of approach. Like- I, I really prefer to sit down. You know, my, <laughs> the, my favorite part of the work is sitting down with somebody who's doing a startup. And it right. could be a business. It could be a nonprofit. We're going to talk about your dreams. We're going to talk about your vision. Oh. We're going to talk about operationally how you're going to get there. Okay. And then we're going to try to together... You know, or, or we're going to talk together about the operational things that you're going to do, right? And then I'm going to try to figure out the best legal structure for you to undertake right. to actually accomplish those. Um, and that that's really the best part of my job. Um, but we do, you know, stuff happens and problems do arise. We work with a lot of clients, okay. you know, in terms of managing those risks and when lawsuits arise, um, you know, representing them in those cases as well. Right. So, what would you say? I mean, do you, are there any other statistics? Because I know a lot of people probably say, well, I mean. <clears throat> How about these big companies like Apple and Microsoft and all this? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. these companies we may not hear about all the time. They're probably getting sued on a daily oh, basis. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there's lawsuits filed on a daily oh, basis, yeah. probably against. Yeah, these, and, these they, and they again, they have you know tens of millions of dollars that they spend every year on attorneys, right? And you know, basically having their own law firms in house, and right, especially yeah, if IPs yeah. and everything. Also defending your IPs and everything. Yes. Yeah, that's something that we're dealing with right yes. now. Is kind of, and the, planning ahead and those are very yeah. expensive cases IP cases especially <clears throat> if you're getting into patents and technology stuff right. so expensive and and there's an area as well if you do the planning ahead of time if you hire a good patent lawyer you know which I'm not but I can refer you to uh, you right. know ahead of time uh-huh. you know you, you can put yourself in a much better position right avoid potentially millions of dollars in legal fees and litigation yeah I mean I, I still remember I mean back in the dual shock days when we were, I was working in the video game industry I remember when emerge immersion st- started clamping down I mean they were just waiting in the shadows until Xbox and and, and PS PlayStation really kind of did the market mm-hmm. owned the market when the dual shock rumble yeah, yeah 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 and they came out with their patent and they said oh by the way you guys owe us yeah yeah that's literally the way it works. put 
companies, the smaller companies, out of business because they couldn't pay all those royalty yep. fees yep. from using that technology. Assertive licensing is what oh, that's called. My God. I, I actually worked in-house for <clears throat> Boeing for a little bit. And okay. I worked in the department that did exactly that. So. Right. And, and it's like, it, but this company, I, I, from what I understand, that's all they did. Yeah. They just managed IPs. So they, they, they do have that now, and, and sometimes the derisive term for these companies is patent trolls. Um, you know, the, the, I love that. Patent the, trolls. The, the, the biggest of them, actually, my mom Hashtag used to work at troll. is called the Intellectual Ventures, um, which is a Microsoft started off by one of the, okay. the co-founders of Microsoft. Oh, and so yeah. your mom worked in, 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 that, in that space. Yeah, so she, uh, she, she was a long-time long Microsoft employee. I grew up kind wow. of in Microsoft orbit. Um, <laughs> um, but, but Intellectual Ventures and these other companies, yeah, right. they, they go out and they buy up an intellectual patent portfolio, properties patent and patent portfolio, wow. and then they go out and they look to license them to companies, and if the companies won't sign a licensing agreement, then they sue them. Okay. Um, intellectual Ventures is different because they actually invest a lot in their own research and development. Right. But many of the other ones, is what we're doing. Yeah. all they do is, is <clears throat> buy a patent. So they're patent then, trolls. Yep. Yep. I like that. I'm going to use that hashtag, patent trolls. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag, patent troll. Anytime something's, one of those show up in our future, it's like hashtag, patent troll. <laughs> so, question, do you have a PC or do you have a Mac? I'm PC guy all the way. Uh, PC guy PC all the way. PC and Android, yep. yep. Uh, <laughs> I have a mix. You know, I grew up around PCs and everything, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm a computer science engineer. That was my major, oh. actually. And so, yeah, I mean, the development, to, you know, platforms and everything was all PC, Linux, Unix. Yeah, but then, yeah. you know, Mac is from the Linux, Unix, you know, world. And so... Um, yeah. Just from ease of, so I have a blend. I, I, I'm, I'm a blended household when it comes to the platforms. But uh, yeah, I mean, in the office space, you have to be now, right? Because yeah, people have their ecosystems that right. they live in. If they've got the iPhone, then they've got their MacBook, and so you've right. got to be able to, to live with all. But no, I'm straight PC all straight the PC. way. Because you grew up in that, right? It's kind of yeah, like I grew up in both. You know, I remember, I remember we had a black and white Mac. Oh. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. with a 3.5 floppy in the front. Oh, my God. Yep, yep, you yep, mean yep, that yep. little tiny screen? <laughs> well, before then, we had a Commodore 64. I remember, I remember, I remember, awesome. I remember learning BASIC on a Commodore 64. Oh, you learned BASIC on a Commodore? Yeah. I, what did I learn mine? It was... Uh, but I was doing. I was also doing Fortran too. And yeah, I did Pascal later. <clears throat> I had the we, can, Apple, we can talk I had about the, useless language. I know. I have Apple IIe. <laughs> <laughs> Apple IIe yep. yep. with the little turtle logo. Oh yeah, you remember that? Yep. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. So um, <clears throat> okay. So here's the thing. Back to money. <laughs> yeah, back to money. Back to law. Because you know the title of today's show was how like you know legal challenges can literally choke your money oh, flow. Oh yeah. And it's it and and the challenge with legal challenges is most of it. I mean, based on what you're saying, most of it can be preemptively avoided. A lot of it. A lot of it. Oh. And, and you're going to be in a much better position, right. you know, of course, if you manage it ahead of time. Right. An ounce of prevention for a pound of cure. And that's 100,000 times well, true here. I would say in your particular space, an ounce of prevention can basically save your business. Oh, totally. You know, because, I mean, just in, it just I mean, just thinking about myself over the years, I mean, thinking back to how many years of... Of, of lawsuits I've had to actually been in. I didn't even realize how many years has gone by. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's we're talking about several, maybe 10. I mean, yeah. and these are different lawsuits that showed up because as I continue to grow my business, random things are showing up. Mm -hmm. Most of them, the bulk of them are frivolous, but it still costs money for me to kind of manage it and deal well, with it. it. And, and it costs you money, but that money that you pay to a lawyer in that circumstance is well spent. Because right. worse than that is it costs you your time and it costs you your focus. Mm -hmm. And as an entrepreneur and as a business person, right. as somebody who lives in our economy, right. you want to put your labor and your time to its highest and best use. I love that. If yeah. you're not a lawyer, that's not playing best around in, in this lawsuit. Right. And so that's why I think for me it's important to have that established relationship of trust before an issue mm -hmm. arises. Right. Right. An issue arises, a client can contact me issue we can handle we do it not we outsource to you know not outsource but normally refer out um, to a specialist in, in in that field who, who handles that niche um but hopefully you as the the business owner as the entrepreneur you're basically exporting your stress to me you're letting me take it over and hopefully you can trust in me to handle those issues i'll right. let you know when i need your input i'll let you know when i have information or mm -hmm. documents that we need from you and i'll let you know kind of these issues that are coming up right but the goal is that you can get back to managing your business. You can yeah. get back to those things that actually result in the money flowing to you. <laughs> right, right. No, I mean, it's, 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 I think it goes back to what's the best use of your time. Yes. And in a world where everything moves so quickly, it's almost as if it's almost like you can't afford to even spin your tires. Like just 15, 20 years ago, you could spin your tires for a little bit and still be okay. 
<clears throat> today you spend your ties you've got your your competition you've got the rest of the world you've got your cl- your your clientele yeah they're not going to sit around and wait for you to get your act together yeah. as their patience isn't as as much as they used to be Th- things move fast and, and and we're under tremendous stress and mm-hmm. demands for our time our culture is mm-hmm. that we have to constantly be busy and you know living here in beautiful southern california right. that's what we have to do um right. if we're in certain you know urban markets in yeah. order to make a living and and and, and have it go <clears throat> um but <clears throat> there's a danger there in terms of if we do get caught up in mm-hmm. that rush and those pressures and that right. stress where we don't make strategic decisions. Yeah. And so I think, you know, particularly when there's something that's so stressful well, and I mean, such a big deal, that's when you need to take a step back. Right. Take a look at the bigger picture and figure out, do I need to be dealing with this stress? Is this a problem for yeah. me to handle or is there somebody else I can, you know, shove this problem off onto? Right. And and don't think Google will give you the accurate and the best suggestion. <laughs> Dr. Google, yeah, yeah. It could point you in the right direction, but I don't know how many, like, like well, horror stories I've heard of people making big, huge legal decisions based on some legal blog they read about yeah. a particular thing and you know i heard one no. recently where the guy made a decision and he failed to realize that the blog was not even talking about his own state so that's one thing exactly <clears throat> is is law is very specific and state-centric from state and, to state oh. as well as from industry to industry sometimes from locale to locale in terms of your local business licensing requirements and everything like that right so you know legal advice is given to a specific right. situation a specific yeah. time person <laughs> geography bound situation right. not just for industry on the internet. and everything yes. right yeah so yeah I, um <sighs> but but i and i also want to caution people though mm-hmm. in terms of only finding a lawyer online or, you know, looking for a lawyer and finding the best rated person on Yelp or on Avo, which is the <laughs> number one legal rating site that's right. out there. And this is coming from somebody who has a 10.0 rating on Avo. Um, those sites can be helpful in identifying specialists and okay. they can be helpful a lot of times now. They do have, they do link to attorneys' dis- disciplinary records. So you oh, can okay. see if somebody's been suspended or had issues. Right. And that's a good warning flag to know about. Mm-hmm. But you know, you, you definitely want to rely as much as possible on personal referrals and recommendations. Right, um, and I think, experience. Yes, yeah. and particularly within the business area, you know, um, though, again, I have good ratings on those things, and there's ways, you know, there's things as attorneys you can do to game those systems, same things with awards. Mm. I'd be very cautious for, you know, the awards I list that are legit awards. Sometimes, right. <laughs> sometimes you'll see ones, and somebody will be the top 10 business lawyer in Orange County, such and such. Oh, re- you could buy those. Such re- exactly. You could and you those. go and you look at it, and I'm the top 10 lawyer in this six block, six block region amongst lawyers who've registered and paid you money. Like, right. you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that that greatest lawyer in Orange County or L.A. or wherever it is, you know, isn't really worth right. very much. It's the greatest lawyer in your yeah. your six-block radius of your neighborhood. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, I, you know, this is this is such an important topic because, you know, I, like I was saying, you know, there's so many things that we talked about right before the show. But I, I used to refer to um, spending money on legal fees and everything as necessary evils you know i have since changed that because i don't you know i mean if you guys can see if you guys aren't on the, you can't he's not he doesn't look very evil at all in fact he's, well i wouldn't necessarily you know, disagree I, yeah. I mean i think you know <laughs> but, in, in an ideal world it wouldn't be so legally driven you know yeah. and and once we get to the law and once we get particularly to lawsuits you know stuff's gone off the rails yeah stuff isn't right um yeah. somebody somebody's screwed up somewhere somebody's making bad decisions somebody's you know and, and it's so dependent it's so dependent on humans not making an error yeah you know and, and i think when, it's how you yeah. talking about the antiquated systems as well i think our, our current system needs a massive almost needs a massive overhaul you know based on my own experience just seeing what happened to some of my my circumstances i said like, wait a minute that doesn't make any sense whatsoever no. how this is even possible no. and yet it still happens you know and i that could explain why a lot of people have have don't have a lot of faith in the legal system even though they got the best lawyer in, in, that they can they can afford. Yeah, the system still somehow cracks under pressure, if you will. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And the system <clears throat> isn't you know engineered to be fair for everybody. And so you're the little guy, you're the little company, you're kind of coming up. You know, it, it's going to be more stressful on you. Right. Um, the way that the system is designed and built in America, you pay your own legal fees. 
even if you win, typically you pay your own legal fees. Right. If you lose, you definitely pay your own legal fees. And um, you might pay some other fees. And, well. and, 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 and you might get taxed with others as well, too. Right. But in general, you pay your own legal fees. Right. Versus some other systems where the winners automatically awarded attorney's fees. Right. And so you can see, you know, if you're the little guy having a startup and you're in some IP conflict with Sony or Apple or whoever uh, it is, <laughs> and they can bring a million dollars to the table... As and well, you can bring ten thousand dollars to the table. <laughs> come up with a different idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you really have to, yeah, you you, you yeah. have to be smart in managing those, um, and you do just you know it's part of the environment. So I, I wouldn't necessarily debate that it's a necessary evil, but it's necessary. Don't 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 not recognize <clears throat> right. that it's necessary, right. And do plan for it to come up. I see it as almost as necessary education because mm-hmm. every time I've made a decision to interact with the with a a good lawyer such as yourself, I find myself learning so much about, you know, how to plan moving forward. And, yeah. you know, kind of like that 2020 hindsight. It's like, oh, and then, you know, not beating myself up too much about it, but then passing that knowledge on to somebody else, like mm-hmm. a client, because I work with entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Those are my clients. And I said, you know, I went through this and this is what I learned. And this is what I learned from the lawyer. But, you know, again, back it up by talking to a lawyer. So what would you yeah. recommend then um, for you know a little bit about my 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 uh, spotted history <laughs> in terms of having to deal with all these little legal mm-hmm. challenges as an entrepreneur. What would you recommend for you know startups or people who have yet to encounter what we've been talking about? That once you see a level of success, someone's going to show up and just frivolous or not, you're going to have to be dealing with some kind of legalese stuff. You yeah, know? you know, definitely <clears throat> you want to consult with a lawyer anytime you're going through any sort of business transition. You know, there's certain legal risks mm-hmm. you want to make sure and certain, you know, business risks that are out there mm-hmm. that, that you want to make sure you have a help with an attorney in terms of always managing, such as hiring, um, right. you know, having lease reviewed and stuff like that as those things go forward. Right. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh-huh. <clears throat> definitely in terms of the startup phase, and again, I think any other major business transition you want to talk with an attorney and make sure that the stuff that's being done there is being structured right. Maybe just talk about the big scope of everything that you're doing, you talk your about idea. The big picture, the big exactly. Picture. But, and then even refine it in from there. Because, you know, as I approach things, operation has to run. You don't live, you don't work in the legal world. You live and you work in the real world. Right. And the real world stuff is where you're going to make money. It's my job to come in and provide you as much legal protection as I can to structure things in the best way possible so you can do those operational things that actually make you the money. The law doesn't make you the money. Mm -hmm. So that shouldn't be the thing that, you know, drives the business structure. Right. It should be the operations and, you know, the business methods that, that drive that. And so I need to sit down with you and I need to have a conversation with you uh-huh. where I can understand those and I can figure out what's going on and who are your customers and how are you going to market? How What's your client acquisition strategy? What are the different contracts that we need to protect you in those certain circumstances? Right. Who are your investors going to be? What are your future plans for investment? Right. And so then we can structure your corporation right so we don't have to go through and do a restructuring You know, each time one of those issues yeah. comes up. Um, just real quick on issues kind of like Legal Zoom uh-huh. and some of the other self-help systems that right. are out there. If somebody's sophisticated and educated <clears throat> and has done through gone through these things before, mm-hmm. then those can be, I think, be very effective tools. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the problems with Legal Zoom and some of the other automated self-help systems is that they're too easy and too simple, and that right. you may not know the answers to the questions that you're being asked, right. and so. Just to be very honest, I've never had somebody come in with a corporation that they created on legal Zoom where I didn't have to restructure it. And most <laughs> of the time, that restructuring was more expensive than then, it would have been to just do the startup from the beginning. Right. And it wasn't that there was anything wrong with the legal Zoom system. It created the documents exactly that the client told them to create. But they didn't know the difference between right. shares that are issued versus shares that are authorized and how many shares you want to issue and how many shares you want to hold in reserve for investors and you know other various issues that do come up right. that you want to think through when you're structuring huh. the corporation at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and so those are the types of conversations that definitely at startup phase it's worthwhile to have. When you're hiring your first set of employees you want to have. If you have investment structures coming in you want to have. Huh. And then you're going to save yourself all of those problems that yeah. you know, arise in the future. I mean, it sounds like the same type of conversation that you should have with your 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 legal con- with your lawyer or attorney 
for your business is the same kind of conversation you would have with almost every service provider, like your like your mm-hmm. accountant, mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. tax accountant, yeah. um, your tax lawyer. Yes, um, everybody who is there to support what you may not necessarily be good at. So, how important then would you say is it, is it for an entrepreneur to have at least one business lawyer on speed dial? Um, in their in their contact folder. I mean, to to have a relationship. Somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's very important. You know, I think it's a thing that if you're a business person, mm-hmm. you know, like like we said, it's a necessary evil. Right. And if you're not incorporating this in, if you don't have a line item in it's your like budget, one eye, driving law, one eye blind. Yes. Right? Yeah. 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 Is, you, that a, is that a group? Do you? Third eye blind. I oh, third eye blind. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're dating ourselves. <laughs> that's right. Third eye blind. It's one eye blind. That's a new band. Yes, that's the yes. new. That's a new one. Yeah. <laughs> one eye blind. Well, that's that's the that's the that's the, the spinoff from the singer yeah, only. That's exactly. a solo project. <laughs> that's a solo project. Yeah, yeah. I'm third eye blind, but now I'm one eye blind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, seriously, I think it's like driving one eye blind. Yeah. Your perception is off. Now, granted, you could probably drive day Sometimes. to day, but. Yeah. Your per- because your deaf perception is off, sooner or later things will become more challenging than it needs to be. As well right? as too, you know, you're 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 driving through an environment that maybe you don't know how to recognize the risks. Oh, there might so be many blind spots and black ice, and you know we can take this metaphor farther yeah, exactly. yeah, <laughs> that yeah, you totally. may not that you may not recognize <laughs> as you as you as you're driving through this. No, I and love that. So yeah, if that's... you don't sit down, you know, I, I do think about it very consciously as kind of planning out the map. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk and what the information that you're going to give me and sometimes the information that I bring with me from my experience, you know, that's our geography. Where you want to go, that's the point where we're trying to go. And then we're going to discuss the course that we take, right. you know, across the map, across the real world that we live in right. to get to the goal that you have. Yeah. Um, and if you don't talk to somebody who recognizes those risks tax-wise and stuff like that as well, yeah. you're going to run into issues, you're going to have problems. You also want to think about, you know, when this problem arises, mm-hmm. is that when you want to be searching for the answer to find somebody? Yeah, I'll tell you, you that right now. No, because yeah. that's that was the approach, the postmortem approach I used mm-hmm. to take. And that got me into a whole heap of crazy challenges. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're under stress and you're not necessarily right. thinking clearly. No, absolutely and not. Lawyers are business people and many, yeah. many lawyers are sharks. Mm. And, you know, we can talk about all the reasons in the economy and the right. lawy- legal industry that, that lead to that. Right. But I always tell people, you know, even if I'm referring to somebody to a good friend of mine, talk to two or three lawyers, find their approach, find somebody you feel comfortable with, right. and then make sure that you work with them. It's a relationship that you need to rely on. Um, so if you're <laughs> under stress and you're, you know, you're not going to be thinking through that process. And you're clearly. not probably make the best decision. And, and, and somebody who's out there, you know, can put that pressure on you and can get you to do stuff and be, That's you know. That's what happens. Yes. yes. So when <laughs> so, we do, we, you know, <clears throat> litigation is not my focus. Right. Like, I don't like being involved in lawsuits. I prefer my clients to be focused on their business and, right. and you know, working in that world. Uh-huh. Um, but we do get involved in, again, strategically. And yeah. so that's always the question for us is how do we strategically manage litigation mm-hmm. so that's as painless as possible to our clients. Right. Um, once you're involved in a lawsuit, you're not going to win. Nobody's a winner in my mind. Even if you're the I, one who's filing the lawsuit right. because you were fired from your job or you know the client didn't pay <clears throat> you according to the contract or something like that. Right. Even if you're the one who's filing the lawsuit... 99% of the time, you're still not going to get what you would have gotten had the person paid you or not fired you or not done the thing. Right. So almost all of the time, everybody involved in a lawsuit is a loser. Except, and our, except the lawyers. Except the lawyers, right? <laughs> yeah, but our goal is to get you out of as little pain as possible. Right. And But I think once you've accepted that and you're not focused on winning, sometimes you can take a little bit of a step back and focus on your business. Get back to treating it as a distraction and right. minimizing that distraction. And do what you're here to do Yes, as entrepreneur, which yes. is serve whatever it is that you're here in the, in the way you're here to serve. Grow and build and create. You know, I love, I love this, this approach that you have. And, you know, even though I've spoken to a lot of different lawyers in the past, just this very holistic, very... Uh, heart, almost like a heart-centered approach, you know, very conscious approach mm-hmm. to how you want to, I mean, you could just tell, I mean, for those of you who aren't in the room, and that's all of you, because there's only two of us in here, <laughs> except for my dog. Yeah, we got her. Uh, and, and, well, if you're on, if you're on the camera, YouTube, you could see, I mean, this guy is actually coming from a genuine place, which is, you know, I've heard other lawyers say the same thing. 
you know and i think it's you know i guess maybe it's it depends on the fit and stuff like that and, and like you were saying you know you got to interview people not everybody's mm-hmm. a fit for everybody mm-hmm. right and i think this is a good segue to talking about maybe you know how then if they're if they don't have somebody already yeah. that they trust and that has done good work for them how do they uh go out to find the right one what's the process that you would recommend that would help them kind of align themselves with the best fit when yeah. it comes to a lawyer for themselves and their business and their industry. Yeah, yeah. So no, I mean, I think I think you know, some in some ways the process is the same, regardless of if we're doing it proactively because we see we've got some transition coming up and we want to be smart about it, right. or we just got served with a lawsuit and you know now we're really under the gun and we've got to find a guy in, in the short term. Either way, you know, even if you feel that you're under the gun, I would kind of hit pause and. I would try to think about how that fits into, you know, the overall your overall business structure. I love that you said pause. How what what would you suggest they do? Because I know, <clears throat> in a high stress moment, you're not thinking straight. Yeah. And, and yeah, what would it's you? Very difficult. What would you recommend? And this would be great coming from a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> what would you recommend they do in that pause? That pause moment. It's it's a moment, or is it a day? Or I mean, what, what's yeah, that I think I, th- I think it depends. I mean, no, it's not a day, particularly if you've gotten served with a lawsuit, because right. you need to, you know, you need to get moving. But you know, whatever it is that you do in your life to kind of relax and mm. calm down and do self care stuff. For me, I'm an outdoor guy. I'm a nature guy. I walk all the time. So something pops up, something's really stressful. I have sometimes my own legal challenges, right. you know, things like that come up. You know, before I make a decision, I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to go take 15, 20 minutes, uh-huh. let the things process and run through my mind. That's beautiful. I'm yeah. going to try to think and figure out how this fits into the big picture and kind of mm-hmm. what my objectives are. Mm-hmm. If I go into a lawyer's law, law firm, you know, if I go into an office and all I'm thinking about is we need to win this lawsuit, you know, I'm going to get a dot guy who's a pit bull and he's going to say, yeah, we're going to throw all the money at this problem and we're going to eat him up and bite in and never let go. And I'm going to think that that's a great idea. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Or maybe it isn't. Or maybe it isn't. There's certain circumstances, <laughs> there's, there's certain circumstances where I refer out clients to guys I know are pit bulls because sometimes you want that. Sometimes right. you need that. But you don't want to be driven to it. You want to make sure that you know what your goals and objectives are right. before you work with somebody. You, again, you want to take the time and talk to a couple of people at least. Even if you've just got a lawsuit served on you and now you've got to file an answer. And you don't have a lawyer. And, you don't, you, and you don't have somebody still take the time to talk to at least a couple of people. Mm-hmm. And if you don't feel you know, um, comfortable with them, talk to a third person. You right. know, um, you, you, it's really important that you get somebody that's there. If you need more time, you know, you could probably contact the other office, the other attorney mm-hmm. who filed the law, law, law lawsuit against you, and get more time. Um, so but it's how, important that you right. establish that good relationship and yeah. have somebody who you trust, who you has a plan for the lawsuit that fits with your goals. Right. And if you haven't thought through your goals, you're gonna have no idea about that. Yeah, you know, and and then that's another thing is another challenging thing is how, what if people can't gauge on like how do they know what's comfortable, what's not comfortable? How do they gauge with what's what feels right, what doesn't feel right? You know, you, you got to go with your gut at some levels. You know, you think these yeah. things through, mm-hmm. and you know, because um, it's not just all here it's, too. It's, it, it's it, also it, it's the, a it's a combo. Yeah, it's a combo, and you want to find a relationship and a strategy that matches with both. You know, and so there is definitely like a head part to it in terms of making these legal decisions. I'm glad you said that because I just realized not everybody's seeing me. I'm just pointing. (laughs) You guys see what I'm pointing at? No, it's not just in their head, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's not just just an intellectual decision. Right. But it is in large part an intellectual decision. Right. And so we'll sit down and we'll spreadsheet out kind of different options that we have and what are the percentages that we think different outcomes might be okay. and what are the different revenue impacts we think that that might have would uh-huh. be settle the case versus not right. and try to come up with you know our best projections about what the economic mm. impacts of each set of choices will be at the same time we have to recognize those are projections and those are estimates yeah. and those are things that ultimately we're still going off of our gut when we're assigning that 10% you right. know, success rate or something like that. Yeah. Uh, maybe an experienced and an expert gut, but it's still a sure. gut prediction. And so we have to, we have to make sure that I think our head and our gut, our heart are kind of, you know, um, in alignment. And yeah. if they're not, then find the time, um, try to make the time right. um, to, to get on that right path. So I love that you said, so it's the head, the heart and the gut. 
Sure, you know, get sure. That we'll go with that. That sounds, that sounds like a good thing. I hadn't I thought that. That's pretty good. It's head, heart, and gut. You know, and this is the kind of lawyer this guy is. He's a head, heart, and gut kind of guy. You know, I got feet too and hands. He's it's got amazing. Feet. He's a human being. He's a full human being, and he's a lawyer. He's not a robot. He's not a pit bull. He's not a, that, that, that actually is something I talk to my staff about, and uh-huh. something that I think it is really important. Um, for us to remember that we're human beings as lawyers, mm-hmm. but also that our clients are human beings. Yeah. And so our clients come in and they have objectives that go far beyond the dollar or price that you know is going to come out of the lawsuit. Right. And a lot of times there's other ways that if we take a step back and approach things, we can find what maybe is a win-win solution. You know, something that's better for them than had we fought the case out and won it. And that still leaves the other side, you know, in a better situation than had we fought the case out and won it. Right. Um, and so, if, yeah, if you're able to take a step back, not be so involved in the conflict, then you can sometimes find those more creative <clears throat> uh, solutions. That is such a beautiful gemstone right there. It's like, you know, sooner or later as an entrepreneur, as you, the longer you're in it, you're going to encounter conflict, you're going to encounter challenges in, in, in the world of law. But being able to step out and be detached from the conflict so when you make your decisions about the conflict you're not still in the conflict in terms of mental state of mind emotional state of mind and 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 that comes out of though consciously recognizing what your emotional and mental relationship to the legal issue is Mm. so you can't effectively take that step back and take the big picture until you recognize what's drawing you in you know Now I see why you were referred to my little world, you know, because as you recall, you were referred to me, you know, by, um, by, uh, and that that is the best way I think to find people again. You know, if if there's somebody who's out there who has a business similar to yours, you know, these guys, right? These are the people who are in your breakfast group for CEOs and startup guys. You know, these are your friends who you came up through school with who have their own, you know, projects and stuff right now. Talk to that circle. And again, talk to it before the problem arises. If you have a week, two weeks, three weeks to talk to a couple of lawyers, that's much easier than having two days to talk to a couple of lawyers. Yeah. So I think the big takeaway is this for our audience is that, you know, um, one of them being that whole that that gemstone, that mic drop that you just did, which is, you know, step out of the conflict before you make a decision about the conflict and step out of the conflict, have have that conversation with yourself and then with the lawyer. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. And then in, in terms of making sure that an entrepreneur at any level to make sure you do, you're proactively making sure you have a relationship with a lawyer that is there to help you, you know, become successful. Yes. Having it on speed dial. You don't need to retain him or her, right? You just have to have that relationship with that person. And if they're not willing to have a relationship, build a relationship with you without charging you an arm and leg, that might not, might be, might, might be one of those where the head, heart, and gut is not in alignment, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and you should, you should, you should expect to pay a lawyer something and you sure. should, you should, you should expect to, you know, you, you do want to value their time. Absolutely. And it is, it, it, it's a tough industry. Because it's their business too. And legal fees are ridiculously high, but there's a reason why they are, you know, and you know, just, just as a, as a person, I, I try to do everything fair and effectively and I still sure. don't like the price level that I have to set for fees, but that's just the way that the economy is. Right. Um, Right. So it is going to be something that you do need to pay for, but you, you shouldn't be being milked. You know, you should have an understanding of what right. you're paying for. Right, right, um, right. And if you don't have an understanding, if all you're hearing is a bunch of jargon that's getting thrown at you, stuff may not be actually being done. You okay, know? so that's, Or people that's a good are just thing, right? running their wheels and doing that typical stuff that drives right. the case forward. So one of the reasons I don't like being in litigation is there's a lot of that that happens, huh? Well, there's a lot I don't like about litigation. There's <laughs> yeah. a lot of litigation that's out there too. Yeah. Um, but one of the things is that the process is so technical and so heavy, mm. and so ninety percent of my work is not really focused towards my client's problem mm. so much as it is the system itself. And if you have a lawyer who all they want to do is manage the system and do all the check marks of the things that they're supposed to do to protect their own butt as a lawyer, mm-hmm. um, you're going to end up paying huge, huge, huge legal fees. Right. Um, in order to avoid that, though, you have to have, a, I, th- I think, an emotional handle on the issues that are going on and kind of understand how it fits in your business overall. Right. And, and again, have that trusted relationship. So too. it's, it's, it's yeah. kind of almost, I, I, you know, based on how you're describing it, I would see litigation almost like when you're fencing. There's a lot of pairing. There's a lot of like, mm-hmm. there's, oh, yeah, there's yeah, very yeah. There's few strikes. There's play. very few actual intentional mm-hmm. lunges or anything like mm-hmm. that. To Not that it's a sword fight, but it kind of sort of is, no, right? No, I mean, you know, like, we, so if we want to get very philosophical about it here <laughs> and want to talk about it, 
Um, what the law is, is it's when we're allowed to use violence as a society. It's when society is permitted to use violence, when police are authorized to arrest people and put them in jail, and that's a form of violence. When we're allowed to force people to do things, and if you don't pay over the, the lawsuit that, you know, pay over the money that, you, that, 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 that uh, uh, was in the judgment against you in a lawsuit, you know, the sheriff's going to show up to your office and pull out all your furniture, and that's a form of violence against your property. Sure. Ultimately, the law is about regulating violence, and huh. we as lawyers are kind of like gladiators then. Right. And actually, if you look at it, and this is something in some of my background and having done Aikido and studied uh, <clears throat> some uh, you know Japanese philosophy and Zen stuff, yeah. you can see comparisons between Bushido and then attorney ethics oh, uh, because wow. you're going out there and you're fighting for this master. And my objectives when I'm a lawyer is to serve you know, the master. Serve the master. Right. And you know, we've had some conversations today that you know kind of fit in these big picture heart and head sure. and stuff. So when I'm engaged in the lawyer mode, it's not my heart that's engaged. It's my it's my client's heart that's engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's part of one of those things. When yeah. I'm in when I'm in my ethical system, I'm not making moral judgments about what my client's doing. It's my client's call to make those, you know, moral calls about what's appropriate to them. Gotcha. And for me to execute, and if I feel inappropriate, then I just take a step back, and that's not my job. And, and you, you hire somebody and you quit, else, and you and become, a, become a Ronin. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we know the culture. <laughs> yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> okay, cool. So, wouldn't you know it? We're actually right about the there top of the hour. I told you, Tom and Fly. Yep, uh, yep. And there's so much more that I like. To, I would love to have you back on the show again because I think there's some really cool gemstones. Because I think this is a this is a topic that you know a lot of entrepreneurs just don't are just. Just avoid. Yeah. I mean, I know I, yeah. for, I myself in my younger years just avoided, you know, lawyers like the plague. I mean, just yeah. dealing with law and not spending. And and I've, I don't, not that I don't, not that I regret it, but in looking back, I was like, God, there's so many lessons and so many things I could have. Well, I mean, the lessons were learned, and there's some lessons I didn't have to learn as hard, exactly, as hardly, exactly. <laughs> and I could have learned it through the eyes of my lawyer, right? <laughs> so, for those of you who are entrepreneurs who don't have somebody on speed dial, and you're local here, and you're in California, or you know, I, I encourage you to reach out to Todd, and because sure. you know, if and again, if, if if it's not a good fit, there's network. He has he knows other lawyers that you can refer to, but have somebody on speed dial, have somebody to have that peace of mind that if something comes up. You can go cry on their shoulder and they'll go out like a knight in shining armor and they will fight for you. And they will fight for what's right, especially <laughs> if it's those frivolous lawsuits that I've been dealing with for so many years right now. So uh, that being said, Todd, how do people reach out to you uh, to get a hold of you, to connect with you, to have that initial conversation with you? Sure, sure. So our uh, firm number is a 949-862-0010. Uh, we're also online, gallandralaw.com, mm-hmm. G-A-L-L. I N G E R L A W dot com. We're also on Facebook. Oh, nice. And I think that's eh, on Twitter, but we don't really use it. You know. I know. Who, who uses Twitter really besides the president? I mean, well, yeah. If you like to argue, Twitter is If a you good like place. to argue, yeah, it is. It is. Um, somebody just, uh, oh, it's really sad, but um, a, a, um, a porn star just recently over Twitter. Thing. That's a whole different discussion, anyway. It's a different combo. Than a different, that's a different conversation. But um, okay, cool. So reach out to Todd for those of you who are looking to or in the market for finding an amazing head, heart, gut-driven knight in shining armor, Lord, Lord, who has a background in theology and 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 really good ethics and a really good heart. I mean, this is one of the most surprising interviews I've had in a long time in terms oh, of because I didn't you know I barely knew you I mean just from brief conversations we talked about practical um, issues practical but not really issues, but nothing, any life stuff exactly yeah. and just your perspective on things as a lawyer is so refreshing and I'm so excited um, when when you do call make sure you mention the show and maybe he'll give you a little something definitely, definitely. like a 30 minute thing or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that well, no, no. Mention, mention the show, and, and we can definitely do a free phone consult. Yeah, no dude, you mentioned the Money Lab, yeah. and as an entrepreneur, you want to make sure you have somebody. And I encourage you, I implore you, that if you are an entrepreneur, whether not you started out or you've been in business for a while, if you do not have a good, solid lawyer team or someone on speed dial, get someone soon. And I highly recommend this gentleman that's sitting in front of me right now. And if you need information, just reach out. We have his information as well in case you didn't catch it. We'll post it in the comments later after the show is done. But other than that, Todd, thank you so much for oh, just for coming in. And I know it's super last minute, but I think it was so perfect that you having a background in radio too helped a lot, <laughs> made it really easy. Good, good, good. No, thank you. I, I would love to have you back on the show again if you're open to it. it. And then yep. uh, we can um, we can talk some more fun 
metaphorical legalese <laughs> entrepreneur stuff okay so thank you ladies and gentlemen that was our show for the week join us next week when we get to talk to my binaural frequency guy website guy all the super entrepreneur he's kind of nomad nomad traveling around and he's gonna pop by the studio and talk to us um eric is gonna be amazing so make sure you don't miss that show next week other than that Ladies and gentlemen, have an amazing week. And for those of you uh, who are in Southern California dealing with fires, stay safe, uh, stay moist. And (laughs) other than that, have an amazing week. And we'll catch you guys um, next week. Okay? Go get that. Go get that lawyer that you, that that (laughs) little house for you. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.